Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ramble, the R Amplified podcast full of real-life stories. No fiction, no fantasy, a true retelling of impactful moments in people's lives. I'm Harry Glicklin. Thank you so much for listening. It's funny, we always, we always joke, the team of Ramble and I, about how well I'm able, or maybe not how well I'm able, to exactly replicate the intro. So compare episodes one and two, let me know how I did. Um, but welcome to episode two of Ramble. Thank you so much for coming back, if this is your second one, or if this is your first episode, thank you for being here. We, of course, are so grateful for you, our listeners, and that you're spending a little bit of your Monday with us here at Ramble. Of course, as mentioned in the previous episode, this podcast is so easy listening. Put this on in the background, you know, get some stuff done, but also take a moment to relax. Maybe you want to drink some tea, whatever relaxation looks for you. So when we were putting together this episode, we had planned to send out a form basically just to the public and try to get some cast members, some people to tell their stories on Ramble that maybe we didn't directly know or didn't want to specifically go and ask. We wanted people who just wanted to tell their story to be able to do that. And so we put together our Google form and we came up with the theme for this episode to be challenges. Now, if you're going back to your Spotify and looking at whether or not this episode is called challenges, it's not. And that is because when we got those answers from the Google form and we got those wonderful stories from the people that you'll be hearing from a little bit later, we realized that the real connection between all of these stories, while Challenges was one of them, it was a lot about escape, which, you know, was very interesting to us as well, because something that we find so interesting about people's stories is that so many different connections can be made. And while we were looking for stories on challenges, what we really ended up getting were stories on escapes. And the idea of escape is something that we found to be super interesting. And as we thought about it a little more, we realized that escape is kind of exactly what we're trying to do with Ramble. You know, with this pandemic, one of the things that we felt that we were lacking was, first of all, conversations, which is, of course, the whole, the whole premise of Ramble. But another thing was just that life is so crazy right now. You know, you can have nothing going on or you can have a million things going on and still it just feels so heavy in a way. And so we think that something that we were all looking for is an escape, right? Something that can just kind of detach us from whatever's going on. And hopefully Ramble can be that for you. We have three wonderful storytellers today, all telling stories around this theme of escape. We have Anya Trimner, Amelia Preble, and our writer, actually, Haven Townsend. And I'm super excited to hear from them. As always, stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out how you can join the conversation and possibly tell your story on an episode. Without further ado, let's ramble. So before we get into our stories, I do have some questions for our three storytellers today, just like in general. So when we were crafting this episode about escape, one of the one of the topics that we really looked into and found super interesting was the idea of escapism, which is like finding finding an escape or almost detaching yourself 
and kind of moving to a new place. So I want to know from you all, like, what is escapism to you? What do you think of when you hear the word escapism? And we will start with Anya. When I hear escapism, I really think of escaping into a different world. And that doesn't mean you have to go to the neighbor's house or go down the street or go somewhere really far away. It just means that in your own home, you can find a space for you and do whatever you want there. That can become your own little world for anything you want to do. My way of escaping was through reading. I really loved reading fantasy books and escaping into the world of those creatures or mythical beings. I really loved reading about them because I feel like I can relate more to them. But being able to imagine that I could escape into their lives, into their realm, into where they were, really helped me get through some tough times and helped me get away from the stress of day to day. It was really my way to relax and meditate. Yeah, definitely. Amelia? So I think escapism can take the form of indulging in someone else's art in the form of books or in TV shows and like really getting to something that separates you from yourself and it separates you from your life because you can look into something fictional and just get completely into this world that's completely different from your own Um, or you can hear about someone else's life and what's going on with them. And it's a good way to detach from yourself, from your real world and to escape a little bit. But I think that can also come in the form of your own creative outlets and making your own art and having something that you can kind of channel yourself into and channel your energy into like theater and acting and being able to get on stage and be someone else for some time and participate in something and put all of your focus and your energy into a positive place into art or into sharing things for others. And I think that's a really like productive form of escapism. Yeah, Haven. Um, Amelia, you make a fantastic point on finding those creative outlets in order to indulge in your escapism. For me, I have found that when the world feels really, really heavy and I need to escape, finding that physical space and creating that physical space for yourself is the best way for me to do so. Haven, do you mind telling us about that space that you created? Um, for me, I have found that the trunk of my car, oddly enough, um, is just such a feel. I've created such a safe space within it. My car is a hatchback, and um, if I ever feel like the world gets really, really heavy, the stresses of just all the responsibilities that we handle becomes a lot. I drive my car to some parking lot and I lay the seats down to make it a hatchback and I always have a blanket in my car and I sit myself down with the trunk open and I look out at the stars while I'm playing music from my phone with myself tucked in a blanket and I'm reading a book or I'm just listening to music and it's just a great way to kind of put everything into perspective and that space in particular really makes time stand still and because time for me is such a source of anxiety, that form of escapism where it's really just you and the stars is so helpful in escaping the pressures of the world. Yeah, well, I mean, that I think is a perfect segue into our first story. So let's get into our stories. All right, so next up we have a wonderful story from Anya about how she came to find her own escape. I grew up in a very big home with three other siblings, uh, two other sisters and a younger brother. Around the time the story begins, I was five years old. My sister Jack was 18 and my sister Bella was eight. Um, my sister Jack had just moved out into a new place with some of her girlfriends and some people from college. She just moved out and she and I were really close. Me and Bella didn't have a relationship because 
we were young and you know when you're young your sisters you don't like each other you don't want to hang out you think you're annoying so our older sister was really our escape and our rock to go to being in a big household like that it was really tense all the time nobody was really hurt because everybody was always screaming over each other because you had all these kids running around so when my sister jack moved out we didn't see her for a few months she came back. Bella and I didn't really have a close relationship. So we were talking to her as much as we could before she had to leave again. And I asked her, why did you leave? You could have just stayed. What was the point? What was the reason? And she said, when you get older, you're going to need your own place to go. You're going to need your own place to escape to. You can't live with your parents forever. You can't live with other children forever because you're going to need your own place to go to and really be yourself. After she left, those words really stuck with me because being the middle child, I kind of been overlooked a bit. So I'd done some exploring. I went in the basement trying to find my own safe space. I went in the bathroom, my sister's closet, my parents' room, and no place really stuck with me. It wasn't really my thing. So one day I was cleaning up my closet because my mom had basically forced me to, because if I didn't, I couldn't go to a friend's house. So I was cleaning up my closet, all grumpy. I was throwing stuff around and I tripped over a shoe. And I fell back into the closet and I thought I was going to hit my head on the wall, but I didn't. So I sat up and I looked and the closet was a lot bigger than I thought it was. I'm surprised I'd never really noticed before. So I thought this is a really cool place because there's light coming through the clothes, but it's dark enough. So, you know, no one really knows I'm there, but it's light enough to do stuff in. So I put a pillow in the corner and I just sat there for an hour or two. And I just talked to myself and that really became my space to do anything, to do homework, to read, or even when things just got tough in the house, I'd just go back there and relax for a bit, clear my head. And I would write on the walls. I had different colored markers and I would write anything that stuck with me, anything I read, anything I had trouble with, anything I wanted to do, any place I wanted to go, I would write it on that wall. And I had that space for about three years until I was eight. And you could see it, how I grew up on those walls. You could see how my vocabulary improved, how my handwriting improved, the colors I gravitated to more than others. That really became my area where you could see how I had matured as a person, well, as much as you can from ages five to eight. My mom found it. Uh, my mom's very clean. She doesn't like us writing on our walls. I remember she changed our doors one day because we would put stickers all over them. So one day she got some guy to come in and just take our doors out, put new ones on. And the next day while I was at school, she had a painter come in into my closet and he painted over everything. So when I got home eager to see my writing, um, ready to sit down there and do my homework, then read and relax for a bit, it was all gone. It wasn't there. And that really took away my sense of safety in my house because my mom had gone in there when this was really my space, but she had invited some random stranger into a space that didn't belong to her in the first place. I felt like that was my area. She could have free domain of my room. She could have anybody in there to clean it as much as she wanted, but that space in the closet was mine. And the fact that some random stranger had come in there and ruined it and torn it up just really broke eight-year-old me. So eventually that closet was my way of expressing myself and being free. So without that way of expressing my emotions, I just kept them inside. 
Um, I didn't share anything with anybody. I didn't share my goals or my dreams or anything. And that really drove a deeper wedge between me and Bella. We didn't talk as much as we did anymore because I didn't want to talk to her. My closet was who I wanted to talk to and it was gone. So eventually when I was 10, my sister sat down with me and she just wanted to talk to me. She just said, say whatever you want, say what's on your chest. And I started talking to her about everything, my crawl space in my closet, um, how I would write on the walls, everything I like to do in there. And she told me she had a space like that. And eventually she got too big for it. When I was 11, we moved. In my new room, there is a smaller door that you have to crawl through. And inside, it's kind of spacious. And in the walls there were completely blank. They didn't have paint on them. They were just cardboard, basically. And I was like, this is really cool because I can do whatever I want on these walls now. So I bought a bunch of paint and brought some LED lights and I strung them all up. And then that just became my space where I would just paint whatever I was feeling on the wall. So it's kind of like I had gravitated from colored pencils and markers to acrylic and oil paints. I had gravitated from a corner in my closet to an actual space, an actual plot with a door. It was really cool to see how my safe space kind of grew up with me over the years. And now I don't really use it anymore. My sister and I have become a lot closer We've talked a lot more. So she's kind of become my safe space now. We share everything with each other. Whenever anything happens, we're the first to know because we just really have a, such a solid relationship now that she's become my escape. So I think it's really cool how my safe space went from a pillow in a closet to an actual crawl space to an actual person. It's like it matured with me as I grew up. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Anya, for sharing that story. Um, I do want to ask, you mentioned, of course, your safe space, the, the first one, the closet or that little other space, the second one. Do you have like an activity that you would do in there? Like when you were sitting alone, what were you kind of doing? I would really do anything I wanted. That was kind of the point of the space. You know, I would do my homework in there. I would write music or write stories. But the one thing I really did in there was read. Anytime I wanted to be alone, books were always my first thing to grab. So I would go in there with a stack of five or six books and just read until I had to leave. Did you have like a favorite book to read in there? Definitely. My favorite book was Daughter of the Pirate King. And I really loved that book because it wasn't so much the story. The story was amazing. I'm not trying to downread the book in any way. I love the story and I love all the characters, but the reason, one of the reasons why I love that book so much is because it's really the first book I got to choose for me. I used to go to Barnes and Nobles with my dad all the time. That was my favorite store. It was the one place I wanted to go. I just loved the whole feel of going in there. And I would read books in there. And then we had to leave because I didn't, they were fun to read, but none of them I really wanted to take home. I couldn't really see myself reading them more than once. And my dad really pushed on me um, the reading of classics like Secret of Name or When in the Willows, Huckleberry Finn from a young age. So re growing up reading those types of books, I never really got into romance or comedy or anything like that or Harry Potter books. I never read any of those because my dad was kind of like, read books from the 1800s. So that was really the first book that I read. And I was like, I need to finish this. I have to have this for my own that I paid for with my own money 
and that I took home with me. And that book really brought me to my first step of doing stuff for me, realizing that it's okay for me to buy things for my own, want things for me. It's perfectly normal. Wow. I mean, lovely story, Anya. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast and sharing it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So next we have a bit of a fun story, actually. I'm excited for this one. It's about an escape room uh, from Amelia. And here she is to tell you all about it. I'm chained to a chair in a dark room. I'm not alone. My best friends are also stuck beside me. I can make out the shapes of the chair next to me and the furniture in the room. A door opens and a flashlight is rolled into the room just out of reach. A sarcastic tone taunts us as we sit helplessly, chained and in darkness, awaiting our next instruction or a sign of how to escape. Did I mention it's my birthday? I had decided to do an escape room for my 13th birthday party. I found an escape room with the theme of escaping the Joker's trap, where the Joker had captured us and we had to try and get out within an hour. The main draw of this room is that we had to start handcuffed and chained into chairs before we could even begin to find other clues in the room. When we got there, it was dark, we got chained into the chairs, and we were given only a few flashlights. Quickly, one of the flashlights went out and we were forced to grab our walkie-talkie and ask the person who was helping us for another flashlight. Immediately, the person sarcastically told us that we couldn't have another one, so we started to freak out. All of a sudden, there was a loud banging on the door, and the person threw the door open and rolled a flashlight just into the middle of the room, where none of us could possibly reach it, all chained to the chairs. From there, we actually had to figure out how to get out of the chairs, and without our final flashlight, we decided we had no choice but to bend the rules. One friend who got out of her handcuff slid to the floor into the splits, still on her foot chain, looking for clues. And we continued things like this that we weren't necessarily supposed to do and continued sarcastically getting scolded over our walkie-talkie. Eventually, we were able to get out of the chairs after wasting quite a lot of time, and we could turn on the lights, seeing the whole room with all sorts of clues that we were probably supposed to use, challenges we were probably supposed to do that we didn't necessarily understand. Some of us tried to solve these puzzles. Some of us tried to figure out what the clues meant, but a lot of us were just running around or laughing and trying to see how far we could bend the rules while still not getting in too much trouble. The whole thing was pure chaos. Not being productive, to do with the time limit from our supposed kidnapper the joker and for a minute or two we panicked we were productive we actually tried to work on some puzzles we tried to figure some things out but we lost that motivation pretty quickly for the rest of the time it continued some of us working most of us not finally we had reached the last puzzle we needed to do before we escaped but with about 10 seconds left, there was nothing we could do as we all crowded around this single puzzle closest to the door, trying to see what we could do to get out. When the time ran out, some of us continued to try to solve it, and some of us just gave up, laughing, knowing that we did not escape. Yeah, no, that is, that is a very funny story. I loved hearing that one. 
You mentioned at the end that you all eventually did not end up escaping the escape room, which, to be completely honest, based on the story progression, I did not think that you were. No surprise there. But it sounded like it was a blast, you know? But do you think that in the end, even though you didn't reach that final goal, that you still were successful in a way or it was still very fun and an enjoyable experience? Definitely. It ended up just being such a fun experience, even though we totally failed at completing the escape room. Because I think escape rooms uh, become mostly about the people you're with and just having a fun time. And when it came down to it, it was just a birthday party and it was a great bonding experience and fun time with all my friends, even though we didn't do a great job at the actual task. Um, I've done an escape room before too. And I definitely think you know, it's what you make of it. It's about the people that are there. Yeah, and I think that's why the whole thing was so chaotic, too. Just with a group of friends, we never fully, once we got in there, we didn't fully have the intention of being successful and completing it. It really, when it came down to it, we were just there to have fun and spend time together. And that's why it ended up being such a mess, because we weren't necessarily working our hardest to actually finish the tasks. We were just enjoying ourselves. So Amelia, you mentioned this walkie-talkie that you were using to communicate with the other person who works for the escape room. And in all of my experiences, those people have always been kind of funny. I mean, like, what was the, what was the personality of this person? Yeah, so we were having a really great time with this person and messing around with this person because even before we went in the escape room, they were already being super sarcastic and super funny with us saying things like they wish they could actually chain people to chairs but they couldn't because of safety measures so we were already were so entertained by this so going into it that definitely is what part of what made it a great experience is that we kept anytime we needed help we kept being met with this really funny sarcastic person who wasn't necessarily being super directly nice to us or super generous and they could call us out when we kept messing around and we kept breaking rules and that's part of what made the experience really entertaining for us. That's so good. I'm, I'm glad you had fun. And thank you, Amelia, so much for coming on our podcast and sharing this story. It was, it was super fun. I loved hearing it. And next we have our final story from Haven about a time that she was in a sticky situation and she needed to escape. Back in sixth grade, my family and I took a trip to the Grand Canyon that turned into a road trip where we'd end up in Sedona, Arizona. And this was an entirely new terrain for my brother and I. It was a massive red rock desert of landscape and endless horizon that we hadn't been used to up to that point. And it was really exciting. It was this massive natural playground with castles made out of mountainous rock and it was so new and exciting that we were so excited to just start exploring. The first day we were there we went on one of the more popular hikes. Once we got to the parking lot we realized that this hike is basically up a massive mountain and my brother and I looked at each other and we knew we were just gonna have all of the best bouldering and rock climbing opportunities. It was just going to be a massive natural playground where we could just climb and explore and it was just going to be the most fun time ever. And we could just be kids and it was going to be really exciting. That immediately meant that 
we didn't even let our parents get the stuff out of the car. We just started going. We started sprinting towards the mountain. We wanted to get on these rocks as soon as possible. We were a solid three minutes ahead of my parents on this hike, just because we were so eager to get climbing, that once we got to this part of uh, the hike where there was a seven or eight foot tall wall that we could almost Spider-Man crawl up. There were tiny ledges where we could kind of hook our toes or little handholds where we could dig our nails in, just barely kind of scammering up this wall so we could sit on the edge and just survey all of the surrounding. I made it up pretty okay. My brother did the same, pulling him up just like the last foot just to make sure he was safe and good. And we sat on the ledge and kind of watched our parents come up around the hike slowly but surely meeting up with us. They were still about a minute behind when a elderly couple came up behind us asking how we got to where we were, if we knew where the original path was. It was pretty obvious that this these people had gotten lost and they were just trying to get back to their car as soon as possible. At that point, my parents had met up with us and realized that we had gone off course and they still weren't entirely sure how we got up to where we were, but that was besides the point because at this instance, we just needed to try and help this couple back down to the path, back to their car. My brother and I immediately knew that we didn't think it would be the safest option for them to go down the way we came up, but unfortunately, there weren't really any other options. So they, my parents stood like spotters underneath and we kind of showed them where the right foot and handholds were trying to make it as safe as possible the woman made it down fine she was a little shaky but she was unscathed the man on the other hand lost his footing and fell onto my father we think he fractured or broke something in his foot because when he got up he winced and couldn't really put weight on it my father as he helped him up also winced in pain and it was pretty clear that his finger was starting to swell and it didn't look very right and it looked like my father had just fractured or broken his finger in this fall the man now could no longer unassisted make his way back to the car and his wife wasn't in the best shape to be doing that on her own so an agreement was made between my parents, myself, and my brother to have us stay there, stay put on the ledge, just sit, look at the surroundings, just don't do anything. Uh, and they would help lead the couple, being their crutches, back to their car, make sure they were all safe and settled, and then they would come up to meet us and we could just finish the hike and be good. Um, we agreed. We didn't think it would take very long. Granted, my brother and I are third grader and a sixth grader so we have a lot of energy and we don't really have that much patience but we didn't think about that in the moment so my parents went off uh, assisting the couple my brother and I sat there kind of like pointing out cool cactuses or like other rock formations and played a really good game of I spy at one point but pretty soon those games got boring like about probably 10 minutes at most in we were bored and we just wanted to do something we were so excited to start the hike in the first place we wanted to keep climbing and exploring we wanted to be active we knew it would still be a solid 15 minutes before our parents would even get close to being back to meet us so we thought we had enough time roughly to just be like explore a little we wanted to like we had a natural playground, this massive environment at our fingertips. We wanted to do something with it. We wanted to explore it. We wanted to be the adventurers we'd seen in all those movies, all the Indiana Jones movies my dad had shown us. 
like weeks prior to us taking the trip, it seemed like the logical answer for us to kind of get up, leave our post for a few seconds, and start exploring. Initially, we found really cool caverns where we could kind of like sneak in underneath really pretty rock formations that made like almost caves or arches. Um, we saw a lot of good small like climbing formations. My brother got really excited about a rock where you could like jump off it. It was the perfect height to jump off, like hit a cool pose in the air and then land like Spider-Man without realizing it as we were looking for these other really cool spots to climb, to adventure on, to explore, do whatever we wanted to do, we had drifted further and further away from our original post where our parents would obviously be able to find us. And at least 10 minutes into us exploring and really making the most of this beautiful mountain that we'd started our ascent on, we realized there was no way we were gonna make it back. We had no idea where we were anymore. Everything was just red rock and the random Miss Cactus. So we were solidly lost in this entirely new world. My brother and I started to freak out a little, but we were both just scared that we had lost our parents and that they wouldn't be able to find us just as we wouldn't be able to find them. That felt like a very real thing in that moment. The next course of action was to just see if there was anything familiar in the general surrounding where we could spot the car park. We could maybe see the road again. We could see if there was a way where we would even just be able to see people who were on the hike already and just get back to where they were. We thought we saw what was the town and a way to basically get to the other edge, like another landing or cliff on this mountain. Unfortunately, the only way to get there in order to reassess the situation and possibly find another path down to the actual ground or back to the car, whatever it was, was by taking this incredibly narrow, it couldn't have been more than two inches of ledge, bodies pressed up against this back wall, shifting inch by inch, just our feet scuttling along. At one point, my brother nicked the edge of this ledge and we saw a pebble tumble down this incredibly steep slope and we just we didn't even we didn't say anything we just looked at each other eye contact back at our feet and kept shuffling just because neither of us could face the reality of the situation we put ourselves in eventually we had to make a really dangerous leap basically hooking our arm on the smooth and flat piece of mountain and like leap our legs around it to meet the flat of the mountain again. We had to take a second to catch our breath, realize the reality of the situation we just put ourselves in, and we thought it wouldn't hurt. Just keep walking, see what else we can see from this vantage point. My brother had started to complain at this point because I think both of us were coming to terms with the reality of there is a chance, slim as it may be, that we may not find our parents again. They were still looking for us back at the original point we were sitting in. So the fact that we had started to try and venture to find them seemed like a maybe not, not, not most well thought out plan, but in our minds that seemed most rational. Continuing walking, we got to the point where we were able to sit on the edge of this cliff and kind of defeated, I started just kind of like shuffling my feet. Just We're like, maybe we just sit here and something will come to us. My brother got bored, of course, 
stood up and started just kind of like running around wanting to get his energy and excitement up again because we needed to get back into that adventurer mode when we were in that sense of reality and had escaped into this world where we were the indiana joneses of this incredible terrain we were getting things done like we were exploring and adventuring and finding new things and that's what we needed in this exact moment we needed to find that new thing that would lead us back home upon his trying to get his excitement back up he actually could see the car park he could see the pink jeep that we had parked next to and he got really really excited and like ran up next to me and was just like hey Haven, i can see the car i can see the pink car and I immediately got up and was like, whoa, wait, wait, what are you talking about? You can see the pink car? What do you, what do you mean? I, we couldn't see anything. What do you mean you can see the pink car? He pointed it out to me. We both got really, really excited. Then eventually reality set in realizing that how do we get to that pink car? <laughs> that seemed like the next feat that we needed to tackle. We contemplated a few options. Some of them were if I was able to just kind of lay my stomach over the cliff, lend my brother a hand and kind of like slowly drop him down to the next landing, realizing that how would I then myself drop down? We ruled it out, it wasn't gonna be safe. We thought about backtracking it, but neither of us had the energy or the confidence to rescale that two inch ledge. There was no chance we were doing that again. So after weighing a few different options, we got really, really defeated again and found ourselves sat in the exact same situation, just sat against this cliff, dangling our feet, staring at this pink Jeep that we thought was our key to getting back to our parents and ended up giving us a false sense of hope and security. And our most defeated moment is when we actually heard this noise. It was this buzzing kind of sound. It almost sounded like a helicopter, but uh, way more muted, far more quiet, and uh, much more high pitch. I thought nothing of it because I just wasn't in that headspace, whereas my brother was kind of looking for it, and he was like, oh, what is that? What What is that thing? Like, he was able to pick out this kind of black orb, like this shape in the sky, both of us were really trying to pick it out. The sun was so bright, so we were, it was a surprise we were able to spot it. And suddenly something clicked in my brother's brain, and he realized it was the drone. About three minutes into the hike, once we had started sprinting ahead of our parents, we'd spotted this 16, 17-year-old guy um, flying a drone with his family. And we're kind of like made note of it. I was like, oh, cool, they have a drone. And then we just got really excited and kept running ahead. That drone started where we needed to get to and it was actually relatively close to us close enough where if we made it back to kind of where that drone was headed back to we would be able to find that guy on the natural path again so we could get back to our parents we both got really excited then realized we didn't have that much time stood up started following this drone as it made its descent we had to go through this little natural like arc cavern thing to make it to another flat and then jump a few larger bouldery rocks just to get to the next piece of downward slope. We ran it a little, I'll admit, because we could finally see freedom. We could finally see our survival, our home at last. Like we had a chance of escaping this terrifying realm of tricks. As we were kind of making our way down this slippery, not terribly steep slope, I tripped and fell and skidded on my knees. 
and it kind of shook me up a little bit. My brother was multiple yards ahead of me. And when I stood up, we realized we had lost the drone. And that was really defeating for us. We were so close. Like, we thought we had made it. And now we don't know where we're going again. So we're kind of stuck there. I was still brushing off my knees when I looked up again and realized that we had actually made it back to the path. Just off this next ledge, this next little cliff that would be no more than three feet tall, we're back on the path that we needed to be on in the first place. And my brother hadn't realized it yet because I just started running towards it. I was just running right back to get to that cliff again, just to make sure that I was actually right. Because I knew that I recognized a tree, but also trees look the same. So I wasn't confident enough in myself. And I ran to this next cliff ledge and just stood there looking over. I was like, oh my goodness, this is where we are. This is where we're supposed to be. I said, get over here to my brother. And he ran to meet me. And I told him, this is where we started, isn't it? This is the path. I think this is where we're supposed to be. And he looked at me and we both recognized that this is, we found it again. We've actually found the path. At which point, randomly enough, the teenager who was flying the drone walked on that path right ne- like right in front of us, not three feet below us. And my brother and I looked at each other like, oh, we, we did it. We made it back. So we just kind of sat down on the ledge and then pushed ourselves off landing, I will say, the most graceful landing that we've made in any of our adventures prior to that point. And I'm pretty sure my brother went so far as to kiss the ground. Like, it was such a relieving moment to just find this known territory again. So we started the hike again, made it back to that initial climb we'd made, that initial eight-foot wall, and we just kind of sat there for a while, waiting to see if our parents would come into view at all. My father's bald head could be seen, or my mother's blue backpack. In the end, we weren't far off. It was my father's bald head and that blue backpack that we could spot yards and yards down the hill back at the beginning of the hike. And we immediately scrambled back down, probably fine, started sprinting back to where we were, hoping that they wouldn't move. And we caught up with them halfway into the hike and just ran into their arms and hugged them. We were also relieved to have found each other. In that moment, we knew that we had found home again. We had finally made our way back to safety. Whoa, Hayden, that was such a super intense and kind of probably very scary for you guys. That was a super story. Thank you so much for sharing it. But I do want to ask, you know, through listening to all of these stories, we have learned that all stories do have multiple sides to them. So what I want to know from you, Haven, is while you and your brother were on this whole journey through the rocks and the cliffs, like what were your parents doing? What was going on with them? I wouldn't learn this until years later, but we think that my parents basically retraced our steps. We'd like discover it one Thanksgiving, I think. And when my brother and I had brought up the story to our family, and I think so, so maybe my aunt brought up the question like, well, what, what were what were your parents doing while you were gone? Like, what were, what were they doing? They were supposed to meet you there too, weren't they? And what we learned in their telling of the story is that they also took a no more than two inch ledge cliff to find another flat. And they also like scrambled down a bunch of like sort of steep ledges to try and find their way back. 
they seem to be more successful. Like, they didn't need a drone to get back. But yeah, we, we think they basically took the same path we did. That's such a, such a fun coincidence. Thank you so much, Haven, for sharing that story. It was a blast to listen to. Thanks, Harry. And that is the perfect place to end today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to join the conversation. You can follow us on Instagram at Let's Ramble Pod, L-E-T-S-R-A-M-B-L-E-P-O-D. And that is where you can also find our casting form. If you want to tell your story on an episode, we would love to hear from you. You can also send us an email at ramblepodcast at rambunctiousleaderco.org. We would love to hear from you there as well. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.